One. God bless you and welcome to the Love Thy Neighbor Podcast Network. I'm your host, Anthony Wilson, and we are back with another great episode. Um, met a great brother from across the, the, the country. <laughs> We're almost on polar opposites. You know, I'm kind of mid. Uh, he's East Coast, you know, kind of in that area. But uh, just want to thank God for the opportunity for us to connect. And this is Brother Kevin um, from the men's Bible study podcast. How you doing, Kev? <laughs> I am doing real well. Thank you for the uh, for the invitation. Well, thank you so much for accepting. And and you know we, uh, it took a lot for us to finally get together. <laughs> We've been kind of working on this for a couple of months, <laughs> and it's yeah, finally come yeah. to pass. And so, um, just blessed to have you on. Uh, how's things going in your part of the world? Where are you from? And just tell us a little bit about who you are. Well, uh, maybe my formative years. I grew. I was uh, grew up in the Chicago area, and uh, now for the last thirty some years, my wife and I have been uh, living in the state of Kentucky, uh, a little a small bill, a burg, literally a burg. It's called Owensboro, and uh, 50, 60, 70,000 folks here, and we've been pleased to be here for a long time in a church and raising our family and now seeing our grandkids raising up with us right alongside of us. So we're, uh, we're, my wife and I are blessed indeed. Amen. And that is a blessing. You know, the, the Bible says, uh, children are a heritage from the Lord, right? So there it's, it's a blessing to see your children and grandchildren. Um, and you just came back from a family get together or family trip, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, so maybe just a little bit more detail there. So my wife and I, uh, just to, uh, she's had, she's, we've had our hands full. So we've had ten of our own children. Amen. Uh, our oldest is uh, oh, hitting his mid thirties, and our youngest is thirteen. We had uh, thirteen grandkids, and all of them, with uh, with their spouses, those that are married, were in with the grandkids. So yeah, in fact, we didn't go anywhere. They came to see us. So even better, and. Uh, yeah, so we're we're blessed when we get together and have a grand celebration. Amen. I mean, that's that's beautiful. It, it, getting family together is an amazing thing. Uh, my daughter is in town. She'll actually be leaving very soon to head out to USC. Uh, she'll be there for the next five years working on her master's degree. And um, my son was in town for his birthday. And so we don't get a lot of chances to get all together. And so when we do, we hang tough, you know, watch right. movies together and eat together and just spend as much time. It's just such a blessing, you know, when you've raised your children and um, they love God, you love God and you love each other. <laughs> it, yeah. it's, it's a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then uh, add to that, imagine you're going to spend eternity with them. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That yeah. So beautiful. So beautiful. So uh, t tell me about your podcast. Uh, what's it about and how did it start? Oh, wow. So uh, I've been uh, I've been pleased. Well, maybe a half step back. So I was discipled uh, in that a man came alongside me and just walked with me, uh, proclaimed the gospel, lived uh, we just met regularly and discussed biblical things for probably three, four years. Uh, and uh, he, he still plays a role in my life now, 35, 40 years later. Uh, and so what I did is I just emulated that as uh, as I was growing in Christ. And and so long before all these uh, podcasts and internets and all that other stuff, we, I was meeting regularly with men uh, just for discipleship, Bible study, and communicating. And so I've been doing that for 30, 35 years. Man. And uh, when this, uh, when some of the advent of this new technology came around, uh, an old school guy like me got some tutoring, got some help from some others. So it really came out of a spark, came out, coming out of a, a men's Bible study group. And so we started recording it, and then I started putting up posts uh, daily. And uh, yeah, that, and I guess been, that's been going on for about, five to seven years now. So that, that's kind of the origin of it. And, and the interesting part now is um, uh, some of these technologies, you know, and I know are, are not used for the most glorious things, <laughs> right? The, the spread of pornography and what are all kinds of other threats, but how wonderful it is to see uh, uh, 
the internet and these other uh, devices use for the spread of the gospel. And so now uh, it's interesting to communicate with Christians from all over the world, right, that pick this stuff up or listening to it and, and communicating with us um, and places that, you know, we may, may never have a chance to go visit, Cuba and places in Africa and Bangladesh and, you know, places like that. So I praise God for, for, for that. Amen. I mean, and you're absolutely right. Um, this 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 technology uh, can be used uh, for the wrong reason, but it could also be used for the glory of God. Um, that these platforms, uh, they're not the problem. It's really how people use them, right? <laughs> exactly. So exactly. you know, our exactly. our goal as 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 Christians, as disciples uh, of Christ, is that anything that gets into our hands, we're going to use it. To glorify God, right? We're going to use it to yeah. lift Jesus up. He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. And so we just want to find ways to lift him up, you know, so that That's he can right. draw. So amen. Yeah. Definitely appreciate that. And hopefully some people will check this out and come check out the men's Bible study uh, podcast uh, because it's good, good material, solid teaching. Uh, one thing I love about you is that you are, and I won't say, I won't use the term like Bible purist, but you stick to the word. You just stick to the word. You you want the word to speak. You want the word to change our lives. And I, I can't agree with that uh, anymore. That is the most powerful tool to change our lives, especially as men, right? I mean, what better way, you know, to change a life but through the word? Yeah, yeah it's, uh, there's, there are, there, there's always a desire from the human heart to, to twist and contort the word, right? To make it kind of like saltwater taffy, but at the end, right? <laughs> we're, we're, God's word will not be mocked and, and we'll suffer. And not only will we suffer, but the bad habits that we pick up, uh, others around us will suffer. And unfortunately, if you know our children are by default following our footsteps, yeah. Um, and if they don't turn uh, from our bad foot, you know, from our uh, from our directions, they too will suffer. So that's the yeah, there's a lot of weight on our shoulders as men, but uh, and and may we fall on our knees and pray to God that mm. He would grant us wisdom to obey His word. Uh, and by the way, I don't know how we can ever obey it too much. So that, <laughs> right, that, yeah. So that's what we got to do is just align ourselves with His word, and and then yeah, let His blessings pour out. And then when people come and ask us for a reason, let's be ready to give them a reason of what God's doing in our life and all of His glory, not announced to us. Amen. You know, uh, Psalms 119.9, how can a young man purify his way but by taking right. heed to your word, O oh God? I mean, right, I, the right. word is so powerful. And so, you know, as we dive into this discussion um, today, uh, I really reached out to you because I wanted to talk about biblical manhood. And I know that's a huge subject. It's vast. But I wanted to really, you know, have you pull out some things that have been near and dear to your heart because you've been sitting with men for years. And so you have an insight into dealing with men and the word and what the Bible says about uh, biblical manhood. And so uh, just as a way of starting out, what are some of the things that you feel like you have really gleaned and then shared with men over the years? Uh, and we'll just, we'll just break those things apart and talk about them. The uh, maybe the first place. Uh, so, so if you if you if you go to the world and you ask what what should a man be, right? Mm. You get a um, you get a variety of answers. And I'm unfortunately I'm going to show you I'm I'm a little bit dated, unfortunately, in, in my uh, cultural analogies. So, uh, as a kid growing up, right, the manhood was John Wayne, right, walking tall, <laughs> yeah, sit, sitting tall in the saddle, and every every bad boy that came up he took down right now i guess we could fast forward that to rambo or some other characters i don't know and then and then if we're inspired enough and we go out and try that we somewhere we get knocked flat on our backside and say oh my goodness that i gotta be i gotta go pick my fight somewhere else and again another date a dated uh, reference is a guy named archie bunker all the mm, family yeah <laughs> so 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 he did he didn't fight with those outside the house he just stood in the house and and said if he ever did go outside, here's what he would do, right? And so he, he tried to he tried to project manhood. And the only person he fought with, 
and belittled, unfortunately, was, was the one person he should be protecting. That was his wife. Yeah. Right? So, so then we end up with, uh, okay, well, it's not John Wayne. It's not the big bad guy that, that bullies his wife. So what is manhood? Well, maybe it should be uh, someone who gets along a little bit better. Again, another uh, dated reference, but there was a guy, a comic strip named Dagwood Bumps. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and his wife was Blondie. And, <laughs> and, and he learned the phrase, yes, dear, yes, yes dear, dear, yes, dear. <laughs> And, and he learned what it took just to get along, right? And 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 so, you know, men thinking, men think, okay, I want peace in my house, so I'm going to do the same thing and just say yes, dear, yes, dear, yes, dear. Well, that's not peace. That's pseudo peace. Right. And then today we we've, we've got this. Uh, we've got a uh, whether probably the last category. I'm going to call it the gender blender. Uh, a little bit of a Michael Jackson, a little bit of Boy George, and it was like. Is that a man? Is that a woman? Well, that's he's extra caring and extra sensitive, right? And so none of those are, are biblical manhood. So it's, it has nothing to do with crashing or smashing beer cans on your head full or empty, right? Or biblical manhood, I will tell you, is taking responsibility. Mm. So now, what do I think of that? So look at Jesus. Consider what he did. He left heaven, he came to this earth, and he took responsibility. For your sin, for my sin, wow. and he walked to that cross. Mm. He didn't do he didn't do anything to deserve it, right? But he took responsibility, and so a godly man. Oh, and by the way, compare contrast and compare this to to some other biblical examples, right? Adam, oh. God, God puts him in the garden, and you know eats the forbidden fruit, and God shows up and he says, Adam, what is it you've done? Well, God, that woman, right? <laughs> so he, he's not he's not taking responsibility. That woman, and oh, and by the way, God, you put her here. So he's you know he's trying to uh, shake it off every which way he can. So a godly man takes responsibility for himself, for his actions, and then he takes responsibility for his family. Yes. And he says he says like Joshua, as for me and my family, mm-hmm. we are going to serve the Lord. Yes. And, and so he organizes his life, even before he's married, in such a way that is uh, producing fruit. It's going to lead and, and, and take responsibility. And part of the other responsibility is this. Think about God the Father. His first creative acts were to bring order where there was chaos. Mm. And think, think about us men. The world is full of chaos, right? It could be chaos in our own life, our family life, our church life, our community life. And God calls us to bring order. Yes. In fact, the uh, the direction of all the leaders of the church, right, are um, are godly men who set things in order. So this is what we're called to do: take responsibility for ourselves, our families, our children, our church, our community. So this is biblical manhood, right? Front and center. Oh, and by the way, all along the way, we're dying. We're we're giving up ourselves, right? We're giving up of I don't know. You pick it, whatever that that hobby that we so love, and we're and we're going and we're working hard and we're dying to self, right? And we're praying that God would work through us the whole way. So, and and we don't see that much anymore, right? What do we get? What do we? What's another uh, typical example of a manhood? A couch potato. Right? <laughs> a guy that's taken. A guy that's taken root on his couch. A guy. Um, Who's given to entertainment? He's got a man cave, right? So, uh, uh, so yeah, this is what we need again: is we need biblical, godly men. And and by the way, this is where the church sets this in order. Uh, the uh, the elders of the church, I would call them as church fathers, mm. right? And uh, and what what have they done? So um, too often, what we what we put into place in the church is leaders who have the well, who have good hair. who've gone to the right seminary right the the right school who can give a who are give a really rousing sermon but but the the qualifications that paul gives us says look at their family yeah look at his wife look at his children are they faithful and the the reason is 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 you can't you can't hide it and uh unfortunately for generations i don't know maybe you've heard this is the worst kids in the church are the PKs, yeah. the pastor's kids. Yeah. Because 
either either two things have happened either the the dad has been given so to ministry that he's neglected his children or the dad has got this cheeky smile and saying everything smooth and silky and at home he's a monster and the kids are like either way they say i don't want anything to do with his hypocrisy and or i don't want anything to do with his ministry because it's been in competition i didn't get his love i didn't get his attention everybody else got it right so uh so if a man doesn't rule his house well don't put him in charge of the church right he and other elders but i think we've done it because of you know they had the good hair and they they uh they wrote some books and they did you know they, they look good in front of a camera right Ta- so. talent talent over integrity you know right they, they speak well they're you know charismatic people like them you know and so we'll use that as a barometer for you know what it means to be a leader a biblical leader uh but not a person who is willing to take account i was reading the other day in hebrews um 13 17 and he talked about obeying those who have rule over you um those who watch for your soul those who will have to give an account and every time i read that as a pastor I, I cringe and I just pray for God's help, <laughs> you know, because yeah. I'm going to have to give an account, you know, not right. only for my own home, but for those that God has given me to lead. And there's a struggle, you know, if, if, if we be honest as men of what that looks like, you know, is it like you said, the, the nice guy who's sensitive, who's caring, or is it the guy who puts his foot down and everybody do what I say because I'm the leader? Or, or you know, is it a guy who uh, jokes his way through and makes everybody right. feel good? I mean, right. what does it really look like? You know, because right. uh, so often we're, we're trying to please people instead of please God. And so we have to put on all these different faces and we're morphing into all these different things. It's like our faces are just changing to fit whatever situation. But how do we how do we stay grounded and how do we balance all these, you know, all these different identities that we're trying to pull together? Yeah, yeah, that that is definitely work. Well, (laughs) by the grace of of God and on our knees, uh, it it, it's I think to add to your point, man. So God, when he decided to reveal himself, right? He calls himself God, the father. Yes. Uh, now I don't want to be crass, but you know, God is a spirit and he doesn't have male genitalia. Right. Right. So, but, but, but he, his, the void between him and us is so great. He, and, and if you and I were trying to describe the internet to somebody in the Middle Ages or a cell phone, right, we would struggle. Well, we got this little box and we talk into it and somebody a thousand miles from here. <laughs> right. But imagine, imagine now God, the distance between him and us is different than between us and somebody in the Middle Ages. So what he did is he created the world in such a way to explain himself. And he created male and he created men and he created fathers. By the way, this is not at all to take away from women because God is also, you know, he loves us and how he loves us like a mother, like a nursing mother. So yeah, there's, yeah. there's, there's that as well. But since we're talking about men, let me highlight that. So we have to, we have to uh, show forth the attributes of God. And here's, a, here's an interesting thing in the book of Malachi, mm-hmm. uh, the prophet Malachi is talking about this, uh, this ministry that's yet to come. And he talks about, he says, I'm going to send my this prophet, he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers towards the children mm-hmm. and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Yeah. And he's speaking of John the Baptist. All of a sudden, John the Baptist shows up a couple hundred years later. Like, well, and now we're looking back and I said, John, where were the children's ministries? Where did you have these conferences where you turn the hearts of the fathers towards the children and vice versa? Well, what he did is he turned the hearts of men towards the God, the father. Yeah. And as they're looking at him, they realize, wow. All those characteristics that you talked about are in this perfect balance. He's the righteous God. He's the holy God. He's the loving God. He's the merciful God, right? And so, and so now as we study God and study his attributes, we're, we don't slide off to one side or the other. We, we have this balance, right? Our hands are hard when they need to be hard. We're fighting enemies. We're loving enemies. There, you know, there's, this, there's this wisdom that comes out as we know God, as we emulate him. And hopefully we're, as I said, in, in all sincerity, we're falling on our knees every day saying, God, mm-hmm. I am not worthy of this task. 
I am not worthy to do this, right? So, and then, then to flip it a little bit towards the wife, uh, right? He, uh, we also have God the Son or the groom uh, who loves his wife, the mm. church. So now we've got we've got to emulate that role too. We've got to love our wives like Christ loved the church, right? <laughs> it's like, I can't do that, right? <laughs> so, again, so again, we fall on our knees and we're praying and we're praying and we're studying Christ and we're studying God, the Father, and we're emulating those, right, and how we live our lives. So th- that's how I keep the balance. I don't know. It's, and, oh, sorry, one other part. Mm-hmm. And this is where I think, um, talk about pastors and leaders in the church. The Apostle Paul says, uh, to the Corinthians, he says, emulate me, emulate me. And so what we need as, as young men uh, is to look, we need older men and we need to look towards older men who have emulated God well. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and it, you know, speaking of that Hebrews passage, it talks about, we all had fathers that disciplined us for a while, mm. right? And it, and it wasn't pleasant, but we respected them. Yes. Respect. And so this is what we men really look for. We love, I mean, we're excited to be loved. Don't get me wrong, but we are even more, we're created in such a way that when we're respected and honored, this just really encourages us so much more, doesn't it? Yeah. So, uh, and when we love, we encourage those around us that they're, they're, they're more likely to follow our lead when they know that we love them. You know, it's not this thing where I'm the leader and I'm dragging everybody behind me, (laughs) you know, you know, come on, you know, follow me. You know, it's more like I'm guiding and giving the example. I'm the first to give. I'm the first to forgive. I'm the first to, like you said, admit when I'm wrong and and I'm teaching, you know, uh, those that I'm, you know, given the responsibility over of what it looks like. And so, so often it's, you know, made that the man is supposed to demand and, 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 you know, you have this toxic manhood where you stick out your chest and that woman better listen to me and all that kind of stuff. And those kids better be in line. If I give them a look, they're supposed to, but the Bible tells us in Ephesians that, that we're, we're not supposed to be harsh towards our children to the point where we break their spirits, right? We're supposed to be admonishing them. And so there is this balance. And I think we have to be intentional is what I hear you saying about seeking yeah. God, opening up the scriptures and saying, what does this look like? You know, me and my wife years ago is about um, we've been married now for 24 years, um, about 17 years ago. We went through a really, really bad time that almost ended our marriage. And one of the things that uh, it brought me to was that I don't know how to do this. <laughs> I actually... Yeah came to a point where I, I actually don't know how to do this. I don't know how to be a husband. I don't know how to be a father. And and I think things went up from there because once I released it and said, look, father, you're going to have to show me how to be a father. You know, like you said, Jesus, you're going to have to show me what it looks like to be the husband, <laughs> you know, because I don't know what that looks like. And so really pursuing God to take on those attributes um, to lead my family to Christ. Like Paul said, I don't, you know, I beat my body into subjection so that I don't preach to others and myself be disqualified. And when I think of that verse, I'm not talking about just me, but my household. I don't want to preach to everybody else outside of my household and my children be lost. You know, so just really, you know, finding a way to connect with the people around me in such a way that they're willing to let me lead them. You know, so so often men are making people follow them. But I don't think right. that's real leadership. Real leadership invites you into, like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate him. And so I'm not even telling you that I got all the answers. I'm telling you that I can show you based upon what I'm learning as well. And that's hard for men to say, I don't know it all. I don't have it all together. I was talking to a guy the other day that shared that with me. And so when a guy comes to you and says, Man, uh, brother Kevin, I, I I just don't know what to do. I I I, I don't have it all together. How do you right. help him? <laughs> well, well, I think back to the children and, and yes. the other, uh, uh, wife and to the man, right? So, 
think about that with Jesus, right? Here he's got his 12 disciples. They're, they're walking, they're living, they're engaging, they're encouraging. He's seeing, he's seeing all those things that you just said, right? The self-sacrificing, uh, reaching out, uh, healing, uh, talking, encouraging. And then occasionally he says something like this to Peter. Get behind me, Satan! <laughs> right, right. This, this, and this, it was this huge shaking, right? This huge shaking, and we could say was was Jesus? Uh, was he being mean? No, Jesus was loving Peter, and he gave him such a shaking. Yeah, such a shaking. And the reason he gave him a shaking because he had to tell him, "You are so far off base. You've got to be able to see it." Or go back. Uh, Go back into the Old Testament, Nehemiah, right? Mm-hmm. Grabs one of these bearded men like you and I. And says, <laughs> right. What have you done? What have you done? You, you have married a woman outside the faith, and he's grabbing them by the beard. And it's like, whoa, Nehemiah, you got to get yourself on some riddling, buddy. You're a little <laughs> over the top. No, he was loving them. Yeah. The, the point is this: is is that when we're self-sacrificial, when we're giving and giving and giving, we're building a bank account. We're building a bank account with people. Mm. And from time to time, we gotta come make a withdrawal. Mm. We gotta say, we gotta we gotta have a strong exhortation, a strong rebuke, and it's all love. It's still loving. Jesus loved those Pharisees when he says, You whitewashed sepulchers, mm. you whitewashed tombs. He was trying to shake them to repent of their perceived morality, which is, by the way, the hardest thing to do. Somebody thinks they're doing exactly right to get them to say, you're doing exactly wrong. Right. But he was love, He was loving them. And so that's manly love, right? That manly love has multifaceted versus, uh, uh, you know, hey, good job. You got out of bed this morning, right? And, <laughs> and this, right? I mean, okay, if you got a, a teenage son that's struggling with that, that may be appropriate, but a 22-year-old son, right? <laughs> Good job, you got out of bed. You, you made it down to the basement to play your video games. I'm so proud of you, son. <laughs> no, no, no he, he, he probably needs a little bit more of uh, what uh, Jesus gave to Peter, right? That would be how that love would look. So, yeah. yeah. Or another man in the church, too, right, that's uh, thinking about something that's just drastically wrong you're going to grab him by the scruff and say you're you are not leaving your wife right you are not going to go do that right yeah i mean i think about you know the altercation that 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 paul and peter got into when paul realized peter what are you doing we didn't preach grace to these people and taught them about the you know knowing god this way and all of a sudden you start acting funny (laughs) when they come down from jerusalem all of a sudden you want to change paul You know, like you said, you know, knew also how to step up his game when he needed to. You know, and I think it's hard. You know, and and you're right. I'm a I'm a guy who does a lot of discipleship, a lot of one on one with men, a lot of small groups with men, and sometimes I got to stop and sit down with the guy and look him eye to eye, and say to him, "Hey, man, do you do you believe that that's a really a good choice? And let's talk about that." And let's walk through why that's not, you know, God's best for you. And a lot of the guys who, like you said, where I built that relationship, they hear it and they, they, they make the adjustment and they realize that I am saying it out of love. The guys that I don't have that strong of a relationship with, it's almost like I've got to build that currency (laughs) to be able to step in and say, but all the while, you're hinting and nudging, and you're trying to build around them community and accountability, um, so that they can see. Because sometimes the heart, like you said, the hardest thing to do is convince somebody that they are doing wrong when they think that they are doing exactly what's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and all this. And this is where a godly man's got to do, whether it's disciplining his family, encouraging someone. It's, it's, we're always, remember, we're Abraham's descendants. And we are to be blessing upon blessing yes. upon blessing. So no matter what we do, whether we encourage, whether we have a strong rebuke, it's all for God, it's all to be a blessing. As And unfortunately, our world has kind of defined it a little bit differently, right? They said, well, you offended me. Yeah. And now we go to, now we go into scripture and 
And you know, the Jesus' uh, disciples came up to him and said, Jesus, did you know that you offended the Pharisees? <laughs> right. And and he and you know the passage we think today the, the passage would be, Oh my goodness, please get them back. Let's talk to them, let's work this out. Go to scriptural passage, crickets, nothing. He says nothing, right? Which is like, yeah, that's exactly what I meant to do. I, I my greatest <laughs> blessing to them was to offend them and that they go away and hopefully they stew on this and think about this and repent. And by the way, I, I'm nailing the Pharisees, I know it, but let's 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 look at some of the fruit. Nicodemus. Nicodemus was the fruit of, uh, there was more, but we know for sure Nicodemus was a Pharisee who turned and repented. So. Yes. So, yeah. So praise God, right? I think about, and you and by you bringing that up, I think about 2 Corinthians 7, 9, uh, I think it's like 9 through 11. One of my favorite passages because, you know, Paul says, you know what? I'm sorry that I made you sorry, but I'm not sorry if it caused you to repent. (laughs) You know, so I I, I don't I don't want to beat you up. I don't want to tear you down. But if it causes you to repent, if it causes you to turn and and go after God hard, then it was worth it. You know, and sometimes sometimes it has to happen that, you know, uh, Peter says, well, Lord, you're you're not going to wash my feet. Well, well, Peter, here we go again. You yeah. won't have any part with me <laughs> if yeah, I don't yeah, do yeah. this. And it's like, yeah. okay, Lord. But 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 a lot of times in today's world, you, you shy away from those things when you ask somebody something and they resoundly, you know, oppose what you have to say. Can, you know, sticking to it and saying, you know what, I'm going to hold the standard and I'm going to hold you accountable without being um, condescending, without being prideful or arrogant, but really, really caring for your soul. I take it very, very, I take it to heart, you know, Hebrews 13, 17, where he says that they will give an account. And when I think about that, I'm like, man, and and I wish that, you know, the church and other people would read that because he says, don't make it grievous for them. (laughs) Don't make it hard for them. Like, please don't make this hard for me. Don't make me be the bad guy. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Oh, hey, can I, uh, there was one other uh, vein that I think uh, if I can take down or take take a bunny trail down that road. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I, so um, one of the things I think men are missing in the church today is is a mission. Mm. So so let me, if I can set it up this way, right? So, so uh, if we... If we watch the classic chick flick, right? Uh, there's a man and a woman. They get together. They fall deeply in love. Uh, there are some huge misunderstanding. Uh, they go apart. They go. They go apart from one another. They find others. Uh, it looks like they're both going to get married to somebody else, and then somehow the the whole thing becomes untangled, uh, and they get back together, right? And <laughs> and they live happily ever after, right? And, oh, it's got a hundred more twists, but but that's kind of the the chick flip, right? It's about the relationship, yeah. and and I, and I say this not to belittle uh, women, because God, uh, Paul talks about God has made woman for man, and what I mean by that is He has made her to be uh, a man's helpmeet. Her references towards Him, she's always concerned about married women should be concerned about how are we doing, right? Mm-hmm. How is the relationship going? A man, now think of about a classic man flick, right? A guy, a guy flick. It's, uh, there's, uh, some bad guys that have come to town. They're, they're now the sheriff. There's a dragon to be slain. There's, <laughs> there's a hill to be taken. There's an enemy to be taken down. And now what inspires us? We're outnumbered. They've got all the weapons. They've got all the powers. There's one guy. There's 10 guys. We're outnumbered 10 to 1. But, but, but we fight on. We fight on and we win, right? So, so modern Christianity, in my opinion, is, you know, you've heard this phrase, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. And so if you look around, what you find in most churches is women. And the men are like, you know what? I, I like a relationship, but where are we going with this? What are we going to do with this? <laughs> right, right, right. And, 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 the, and so... And so for years, you know, praise God for, for godly mothers, aunts, sisters, grandmas that have been dragging, you know, us young people to church, right? <laughs> but, but 
young men need inspiration. And if you think about this, Jesus came to bind the strong man. On the cross, it says, I think in Colossians, it says he put, he bound all the powers of this world. Right. It's like, it's like a Rocky flick, right? Rocky's fighting whoever, whoever, uh, the big, the big Russian guy. Or Mr. Drago. Know, right? Drago. Yeah. Drago, right. He's down. This guy, this guy's giving him every punch he has. And we think he's dead now, right? And what's Rocky do? He gets up. He says, you threw everything at me, but here I am living. And that's what, that's what happened to Jesus on the cross. They threw everything at him and he was resurrected. What else could they do? He lives on. And now he's been put in the highest seat, right? Sitting next to God, ruling this world. And here's the mission. He tells you, he tells me, go make disciples. And by the way, you make my heart warm when I hear you rocking inside men and discipling them. But here's the challenge. Disciple nations. <laughs> not, not just that. We as Christians, right? We got to set our hearts to say, we're going to disciple nations. And we're like, oh my God, how can we do that? Well, here's how we're going to do it. We got to get into it for the long haul. Yes. And so, so when, when God saves, here's a beautiful biblical picture. He saves lineages. He saved Abraham, and we see him saving all, keep saving in Abraham's lineage, and it's all the way down to Jesus. And in the New Testament, uh, he saves households, right? He saved the Philippian jailer's household, Cornelius the uh, centurion. He saves the households. So as we're faithful, he's saving us and our children and our children's children. And so now, throwing a little bit of exponential growth, if you got 10 kids, and think about what that, the next generation's force looks like. And now we're called to disciple nations, to tell them Jesus is Lord, submit to him. We get our life into order, and we're calling them. And so now it's a wonderful thing to see the gospel spreading to far and wide and to be a part of that, right? That's the mission men need to, to see that they're a part of and that they have a role in, right, an active role in. But I think we've uh, lost a little bit of that, right? We, we get saved. And then we kind of have a holy huddle and kiss and hug on each right, other, right? Right, right, there's right. No, there's nothing wrong with kissing and hugging on each other, but he says, okay, rejoice, have fellowship, uh, like Psalm 23, right? I'll set a table for you in the mm -hmm. presence of your enemies. And you guys come together and have this wonderful feast. But after the feast is over, put your armor back on. Go fight some more. Right. Right? Right. And that's what we're called to do as men. I definitely agree with you 100% because I see the Great Commission as you know enlisting in god's army you know that he, he's brought us in and then he puts on the armor he suits us up and he says go and make disciples paul tells timothy go teach find some guys and teach them what you have been taught <laughs> and send them to teach somebody else and i i just believe if if, if especially men you know if we would dedicate ourselves to that you know a lot of the guys that are disciples they, they run into these roadblocks with discipling others and it makes them want to stop because yeah. they, they're like, well, how did you do this with me? I, I was in it for the long haul. I wasn't That's in right. it for immediate results. Right. We're like, well, if nothing happens in six months, <laughs> then I, I, I'm done with this person. You know, I got guys that I've been discipling for three or four years, you know, the same mm -hmm. guys. And they still come in twice a week. We sit down, we open up the word. We talk about their life. We talk about what the word says. We study. And I've been doing this for years and years with them. And it's a lifestyle. It's not a program. You know, and, and me right. and you talked about this a little bit in our original conversation is that discipleship is not this program, you know, where you, you hit point one, you hit point two, you hit point three. It's actually walking with someone side by side doing life on life, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. this whole idea of, oh, I discipled them. No, it's not a, I discipled them. It's, yeah. I'm discipling them, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so two points to that to add to, and I'm in a violent agreement with you, <laughs> is churches, large churches have become efficient. And so if you ask them, oh, do you have a, does your church do evangelism? Yes, yes. on Wednesday night. On Wednesday nights, we go and do evangelism. <laughs> well, what about all the rest of the week? <laughs> Oh, do you do discipleship? Yeah, well, that's on Saturday morning. 
oh, is that, well, how long is that? Oh, that's an hour each week. And now you step back and you say, is that Jesus's model? <laughs> so they go to a class, Jesus's model, he walked with these guys for three years. And if it took him, if, and I'm just going to assume that Jesus was probably the best discipler there ever was. And if it took him three years to set these guys loose, right, it's going to take us at least three years of living, you know, one-on-one with somebody's life and, and, uh, and to get them discipled. And the other, two other parts of that, one is uh, uh, men who lead the church, right? What are they called to be given to? Much hospitality. Mm. So, so here's hospitality. You, 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 you walk, you let them into your life. And one way we do that is they walk into our house. And in my house, they walk in and they see this picture of this guy in this white tuxedo. I know, sorry, it's a part of my true confessions, right? <laughs> they, they said, is that you? I said, yeah, that was me when my wife and I got married. Right? <laughs> and then they said, I'm so glad white tuxedos are, are not in, right, anymore. But the point is, is that we have a laugh, we look, you know, and I've let them into my life. And when I open my doors and they meet my family, they meet my kids, we break bread together. Yes. Uh, and that's just one aspect of hospitality. And now when I've done that, they will let me into their life. And so uh, the, the, you know, the barriers start breaking down. And by the way, graduation day, if you want for, when, how do you know you've discipled somebody long enough? <laughs> kind of a graduation day is when they're discipling somebody else. Yeah. When they're when they're carrying on it, right? They're they're doing that multiplication thing that we're talking about, right? right? They're going and discipling three, four, five other guys. So that's that's the beauty, and that just warms my heart. Well, you 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 just you you know you perk me up as as well when I hear that you know inviting people into your home, letting them you know get to know you and your family, and you know there's been guys that you know I, I took in, you know, and they stayed with me and. Uh, discipled them and you know they became you know leaders in our church or over our men's group or over this or that and it was all because we took time and we just spent time together you know one of the guys and and to this day he does it for other guys you know um uh there's this restaurant it's called jersey mike's um and they they do great subs and so i'm far away from home home for me is philadelphia um, oh, wow. and, and, and I look for places where I can get a good hoagie because, you know, people call it a sub. I call it a hoagie because right. I come, you know, from where I come from and Jersey Mike's on their menu, um, they have a secret menu and on the secret menu, there's this sandwich called a 99. And, uh, one of the guys, a couple of years ago, when he first joined the church, I took him out to Jersey Mike's and we had a 99 and we sat down and we talked and we ate and we shared and I got to know him. Um, and he's still a part of the church now. He's still part of our men's group. We still meet twice a week. Um, we've been doing that for about two and a half years now. Well, you know, the most proudest moment was hearing about his sit down with another guy that he's ministering <laughs> to. And they yeah. went to Jersey Mike's and they got a 99. <laughs> you know, and he, and he oh, wanted yeah. to tell me, he's like, hey, man. I took him to get a 99. <laughs> and I said, wow. I mean, it's just a beautiful thing. And, and so, uh, you know, I, we could talk all day. But why is it that, that, that you don't see people with a love for discipleship? Why is it that we rather, like you said, go to church, sing a song, uh, shake a hand, and then go about our business, you know, and, and live our life? Why is it that we're not thinking that Scripture is talking to all of us? To make disciples, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think the uh, the commitment for discipleship is so huge. Uh, I think we shortchange it, and I, I think what we I think what our culture is missing is uh, you know back to Paul. He says to the Corinthians, right? He says you have many instructors. Yeah, right. You've got many teachers, but you don't have many fathers. And this discipleship that that we're talking about. So uh, you know, we're talking about discipling men, but. The same concepts. If I'm raising my children, yeah. I'm just I'm discipling my children. I'm walking with them for you know 20 years. And they're in my house, and so if what what we're missing is we, you know, obviously we all had a father, but the question is is we have a father who demonstrates has our culture had a father that's been demonstrating this to us and setting this example. And and my take is is no that we haven't had. This has not been our take, right? Uh, we haven't had fathers 
godly fathers demonstrating this to us generation after generation. So one, we don't have the model, and two, the, uh, we don't know what to do. We don't know where to start, right? So I think that's our part of our problem. So it's back to the church leaders and getting the right men in place and knowing that there's no quick fix to this, right? Uh, having the generations that have been raised with uh, uh, sluggish fathers, right, uh, or absent fathers, we're, we're all recovering from this as a whole generation. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're, what's the solution? The solution is only the church. There's no government program. There's, not, there's nothing anything anybody in the world's going to do. Praise God for, for mothers that have been there, you know, but we need fathers to step, step up their game. And so that's that's my take, and that's yeah, that's been the heart of my where I've set to spend my time and effort is is that ministry to to men, right? To say, hey, you dropped the ball, get off the bench, go pick it up, there and start it is. dribbling. There it is. Yeah, start dribbling or start running, whichever metaphor you like best, right? So yeah, praise God and for your example, and I hope it gets multiplied a thousandfold, right? A yeah, bunch of others. That definitely is the prayer. You know, one of the you know proudest moments for me is both of my children. You know, my daughter, um, she she co-founded a Christian sorority on the campus of Denver University. And one of her biggest things was, Dad, all right, help me in, in how we get it, how we start discipling them. And we would talk for hours about discipleship. And, you know, she'd go and, and they started their, you know, discipling and, you know, bringing people in and talking to them. And then my son, he's doing crew on his campus. And, you know, so he's got a uh, he's got a little men's Bible study that he does. And then he's got one on ones that he does with some of the guys. And I'm like, wow, how yeah. how come they got it? <laughs> you know, they got yeah. it was well, because yeah. some yeah. things are some things are caught you know, as well yeah. as taught. And so they, right. they've got to be around it. And, and that's what, I, you know, I've tried to do, you know, coffee shops, you know, we, th there's a guy, man, we meet at, we've been meeting at Denny's for four years mm. at Denny's for every Tuesday for four years. You know, we go in there, the waitresses know us, you know, and, and even the new ones know us now because, you know, when we eat our food, when we, we pray and we ask them, you know, can we pray for you? You know, and so they come over and sometimes they just, hey, you guys going to pray? Can you pray for my mom or my dad? And it's just, right. it's like, this is what it's all about. And I wish I could get more people excited about that part of this yeah. walk with God, because if they're not excited about that, then what do they do? You know, especially men, we turn our energy to trying to make more money, work more hours, you know, try to, you know, build our status, you know, buy bigger cars so we can feel like God is blessing me. But what if the blessing is in the lives that you touch through discipling and just being obedient right. to scripture? <laughs> right. Yeah. Seek my kingdom first. Right. And all these other things will be added. Right. Build my kingdom. Don't build your kingdom. So, it, yeah, it's a it's a. It's great when you can see to have an impact on someone's life and then you can, and then when you live long enough and then you see them having an impact on the next generation, and hopefully you live long enough to see another generation or two. So that's, that's just wonderful, right? So. Amen. Amen. So I, I you know, like I said, we can probably just keep talking, uh, but I would like for you um, to pray for our listeners, um, those that are going to hear this. And we really pray for the men first and foremost, but pray for, you know, just the body of Christ to really come back to that place where we understand that this is not a service that we go to. This is not something that we do on the weekends or program, but this is a lifestyle that we live of making disciples. And it starts with the men. It starts with us being the example and then sharing that with others. And I just... I just would be so so excited to see what God does. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I think we're living it, and we'll pray. For, let's pray for more. Uh, yes. More chance to see it, right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. All right. Um, let me start then and pray. Amen. Father, we thank you for our time together. We thank you for your goodness to us, your people. We thank you for the example of our Lord Jesus Christ that He left the comforts of heaven, the glory of heaven, and he sacrificed himself, came down, took responsibility for us, showed forth manhood, and Lord uh, set this uh, wheel in motion of training uh, 12 men who then trained so many more. And Father, now uh, 
generation and generations later how we are recipients of those who have been trained through uh, through a long history. Father, we pray that you would uh, send workers, Lord, to the harvest. You would send workers to take up this task of not preaching the gospel, but preaching it, Lord, uh, unto, uh, unto discipleship as well, not only to confession of faith, but onward to mold and shape our lives that we would be holy people who would be living in obedience to your word. Lord, we pray that uh, our conversation would be indeed inspiring to others that pick this up in whatever mode. And Lord, that uh, we would set forth godly examples that we could indeed uh, call others to uh, imitate us. Father, this task is too large for any of us, but Father, we humbly come before you and say, strengthen us. And may it be to your glory and your honor, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank God. Amen. I I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this time, and I pray that um, those of you that are listening would go and check out the men's Bible study. Um, You're on Anchor. Um, Is there a better way to get a hold of you? Is there a website or anything? Yeah, so on uh, Anchor, we show up from time to time, and then on Facebook, uh, there's a web page called Men's Bible Study Page uh, that we number of people and i put up some daily posts these are more or less daily meditations and uh i put up for for people to think about right and things that i've been thinking about on a daily basis as i'm studying god's word so either 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 place is the way to go amen well definitely appreciate you and those of you that are listening to love thy neighbor i want to appreciate you for your support those that have been thinking about sharing in what we're doing and supporting us, go to anchor.fm slash anthony-wilson slash support and jump on in there and help us out as we're we're just trying to take the gospel to the globe. And this podcast vehicle um, is so powerful. So thanks for listening. Uh, remember to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, Brother Kevin, thank you so much for coming on. Um, we're going to have to do this again. I, I got I got to invite you out to our men's group so you can, you know, speak to our guys. <laughs> I love it. I'd love the opportunity to connect with you in any shape or form. Amen. Well, God bless you. Um, Till next time.